God-glorious gospel. We are at chapter 15, and if we meet here tonight, we'll go to our care groups and wrap up chapter 15 and then come up here um, as we normally do on Sunday evening, but if we're out at Freedom Bible, um, we'll meet out there and take care of things there, okay? So, um any rate, what a blessing it was, let me just say before we go further, um, to be able to gather locally and pray yesterday on the square and thank God for, number one, the freedom that we can openly do that. You know, the majority of people around the world cannot do that. And that we could do that and that there were... Um, Others that were burdened to do the same. And um, uh, what a blessing to be able to see the picture of the National Mall in Washington, D.C. I mean, just filled with people that gathered to pray for our nation yesterday. And um, heard reports from 75,000 to 100,000 people there. And, and who knows... Those are probably conservatively speaking, um, but um, I don't watch, but and you probably don't either. But you know, if there'd been that many Antifa gathered, it'd been all over the news, and Washington D.C. would have been burned. All right, but when Christians gather like that, there's no destruction and there's no media coverage of it. But that's all right. God said the world would not be a friend. To followers of him. That's expecting the opposite team cheerleaders to cheer for you when you score. It doesn't happen, okay? And they are cheering for a different team, and we need to realize that and understand that, and that's okay because we already know the outcome, amen? And the victory is already guaranteed. And um, we need to be faithful in that. But it it was a blessing to see and to participate in that. And um, today is day nine of the prayer. I trust you've already looked at that and wrap that up then tomorrow. Living for the glory of God. That's, That's the summation of our study The glorious God and the glorious gospel. It started out taking us through this series of studies that started out showing us who God is. That we serve a glorious God. That He is holy. That He is separated from us. And and then it went into the glorious gospel. How that although He is holy and we are sinners and we are separated from Him... That Christ came to bring us back to God. And then that He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us the church, uh, fellow believers in the church. And, and that's all His doing. And now, ultimately, He wants us to be living for the glory of God. If I were to ask you, who are the most miserable people on earth, you may come up with various answers, but I would say professing Christians 
who are writing their own script, that are living according to their own ways. Because if they're a professing Christian, they don't feel at home in the world. And if they're writing their own script, they don't feel at home with God. And, and so, and, and we'll expand on that a little more. And you may have wondered, why is it that there are Christians that are just hard to be around? Why are they so miserable? Well, that may be the reason. That we're marching to our own drummer, not to the world's drummer, not to God's drummer, but to our own drummer, and you know what? We're out of step no matter what. We're out of step with the world, and we're out of step with God. And um, when you're out of step and you're in a marching band, they teach you how to get in step. How many of you know how to do that, okay? Some of you that were in a marching band know how to do that, all right? And I had to learn that pretty early on because I'd get out of step and I'd have to get back in step, okay? And and the reality is God is always calling us to get in step with Him. <clears throat> and just as in a marching band that there's a simple way to get in step, so it is with God. But I want us to look today first of all, at, at four basic, <clears throat> I guess you would say, conditions of people <clears throat> and the end result of that. First of all, <clears throat> there are people that say there is no God. And we'll give the whole picture here. There is no God. And as a result of that, they have no purpose and the end result of these people is eternal damnation. Of course, these people would include atheists, but there are people that perhaps aren't avowed atheists, but who live their life as though there is no God. You could call them humanists meaning that all there is is it's up to us as humans. It's all up to me. It's all up to man. They live their life as though there is no God. <clears throat> and, and honestly, you, if that is the condition of what someone believes, they believe we're here by happen chance. I mean, there's, there's no meta-narrative, there's no major story that is going on. We've, we've gone over and over and over again, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That, that whole thing is gone. It's just, I'm here now, and you're here now, and we've just got to make the best of it, and, and we're on our own. And, and that's, honestly, that's where a lot of people are. But if I don't know God, I will not have a purpose for my life, and I will, I will seek to find purpose for my life. Really, what is happening today in our nation is some of these people are looking for purpose in their life, 
and and through the deception of Satan, they believe that they can make it a better world if they completely tear down everything in America and start over again. It's interesting to me, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Black Lives Matter Incorporated had in, in their, their what we believe statement, we shared this with you before, that they are for the destruction of the nuclear family. Okay? Well, that wasn't playing too well for them. And so this last week, if you go to their webpage now, it's not there. They've taken that part out. They haven't changed. They just don't want the public to know that we're for destroying a husband, a wife, and, a child, and children as a family as God designed. They haven't changed, but they don't want you to know that. And the reality is... Those that have no God latch on to purposes that Satan deceives them. Well, we can do this, and it's all built on lies, and it will all collapse. There are people today that, that live their life as though there is no God, and, and they spend their life f- trying to find a purpose for what they're doing, and everything they pursue will come to a dead end and disappointment. If I don't know what my purpose is, I I will have a hard time fulfilling it. And and in realizing that, much of the heartache and trouble in the world is because people have no purpose because they don't believe in God. They 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 see no major story that we're a part of. They see no major narrative that we are a part of. They, they don't understand. We said when we talked about the, the narrative, it's seeing the big picture. It's like seeing the, the cover of the box of a jigsaw puzzle. You see what, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. But when you don't have that, all it is is just pieces and tangled threads, and you don't understand that there's a weaver that is working for these purposes. Christianity gives purpose to all of this. As we've said many times, Christianity tells us where we came from, why we are here, what is right and wrong, and where we are going. So the first group is no God. And it ends with no purpose and eternal damnation, eternal separation from God. Then there are a group of people that believe in God, but know Jesus. These people believe in God, maybe a supreme power of some sort. They believe in God, but they reject Jesus Christ. Maybe they reject anything about Jesus Christ. Maybe they reject that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believe he was a teacher and a prophet and a good man, but he's not the Messiah. He's not the Savior. They reject him. This includes a lot of religious people. There are a lot of what, what humanly speaking, we would say are good people. 
They believe in God and they may believe in in the Ten Commandments and and try to follow them. And they may believe in God. And so they're motivated to, in some cases, lead what humanly we would say is a good life because they believe if I'm good enough that then God will accept me. And as the first group that doesn't believe in God, this group also ends in eternal damnation and separation from God. Not only that, in this life they are filled with frustration because they believe in God and they believe that God set some sort of standard, but it's a standard they can never reach. And they have nothing to do with the failure of their own lives. How can I fix this? And so it is. Aren't you glad we're not sitting outside right now, huh? And aren't you glad for the rain that's coming? We need it. Amen? But see, you know many people in this category. They make great neighbors. They make great people to work with and and you think you may even come to the point in some cases that you think man it's hard to believe that that they're not going to heaven but if they have never embraced and accepted their sinfulness and helplessness and submitted that Jesus Christ is the only way of forgiveness of sin, if they have not submitted to that, they will spend eternity separated from God. So, their end is no different than the people that do not even believe in a God. Now, there's a third group. There's a group that believes in God and has trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin But they aren't living a life of submission to God. They, and I will say, they may be believers, but they are distracted by that which doesn't matter. And really, this is a group only God knows if they're true believers. In this group, there are people that have made a profession, but have never had a change of heart. They're not believers. There may be people that, um, and and let me back up, that group, it's pretty natural for that group to be a a person that grew up in church hearing the gospel, understanding the gospel, and just agreeing with the gospel, but they never never made the transaction of trusting in Jesus Christ alone and embracing their own sinfulness and saying, God, I need your forgiveness. But they live in this culture of growing up in Grace Baptist Church, for example. And, and, and they're familiar. They know all the terms. They know all the language. They know the right thing to do. And they kind of go along with it. But if they've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, personal transaction with God, turning, repenting from my 
sinful life and turning to Jesus Christ alone, they are lost. But there may be believers in this category, but they are not living in submission to God. Believers that are trying to write and fulfill their own script. Several weeks ago, we, we talked about this. These would be people that life is about me and my script that I am writing. And we may be writing this script and we want Jesus in it. We want God in it. Because He'll make things better. I mean, he, he gives life. Isn't this a great thing? He makes things better. And so, well, I want that in my script that I'm writing. And, and in, in, we're living our lives writing our script. And whatever builds our script and adds to our script that we like, we include that. But whatever doesn't, then we want to put that out of our lives. And, and so, because our life is the center of our life, and sometimes that's what motivates us to accept Jesus Christ. Well, I want eternal life. But we go on writing our own script. And, and we manipulate people. We work people. All of us are this way unless we submit our script to God, all of us are this way that we work people to advance and enhance our script. So we, we manipulate people. I heard someone say yesterday in something I was listening to that we're all salesmen. We all want people to buy into our script and support it. The problem is we all have our own script and all our scripts don't agree, and not everyone is going to jump on board with your script. And so we're at war with these scripts. <clears throat> and that leads to despair and anger. We're writing our script, and it doesn't go the way we want, and that makes us mad. And frustration and depression, and bitterness, and victimhood. If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck, you know. They're, they're, they go around, and that's, I'm just a victim. Everybody's stomping on my script. Nobody cares about my script. Poor me. And, and or it may respond in blame. It may respond in apathy. What's the use? Why even try? Nothing turns out the way I scripted it anyway. I might as well give up. Or disappointment or impatience. Good grief. Come on. Nobody's getting on board. And see, we never say it like that. Nobody's getting on board my script. I'm paddling my canoe by myself. I could use someone in the front to provide the power, and I'll be in back and provide the direction. And and that and nobody's getting on board with me. It leads to worry. Worry says no one has stepped on my script yet, 
but I know somebody's about to. So see, they, they believe in God, they've trusted Jesus, but trusting Jesus, and that's between them and God, <coughs> whether they're truly saved, but the problem is they haven't given their script to God. G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton said, Idolatry is when you worship what you should use and use what you should worship. When you worship what you should use, anything that God created, when we worship that, mankind, all of creation, the stars, whatever, and we use what we should worship. Many of us are using God when we should be worshiping Him. God, these are my plans. Would you bless them? God, would you help me? When I wrestled, I prayed, God, help me as I go out here and wrestle. But it was all about me. It was all about me. I wanted to win. I didn't want to look bad. Well, aren't you supposed to pray about everything? Yeah, pray about everything, but it's for the glory of God that, that we could glorify Him. And, and I'd even say, God, I can glorify you a lot more if I'm a state champion. And God said, well, try this first of all. Are you going to glorify me when you're not? But see, we use God rather than submit to Him. So this third group believes in God, trusting Jesus Christ, but still writing our own script. And the end result of that is emptiness, frustration, and shame, really, in the ultimate end, that we'll stand before God in shame. So... We come down to 1 Peter chapter 2. And in chapter 1, he's talking to us about what we have in Jesus Christ. And he's telling us all these things. And he says, because of what we have in Jesus Christ, because of the Word of God that he closes chapter 1 with, he says, lay aside all these former things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So he's saying, you have come to Jesus Christ. You have tasted what a gracious God He is. And it's like, wow. This, this is better than anything I could write. This is better than any script I can put together. This is overwhelming to me. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And, and he goes on and he says, you're coming to a living stone. And, and he is the chief cornerstone. And notice what he says in verse 6. 
Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, he is a stone of stumbling, he goes on and says. They stumble because they are disobedient to the Word. They're not submissive. They're writing their own script. But to you who are obedient to Him, He is precious to you. Wow, this is the most valuable thing in this world. And He is. And, and to realize that and, and to understand the reality that when... You, you let God have your life. D.L. Moody said, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. That's another way of saying, let God write the script. He can write a better script than you can. Elizabeth Elliot said, one reason we are so harried and hurried is that we make yesterday and tomorrow our business when all that legitimately concerns us is today. If we really have too much to do, there are some items on the agenda which God did not put there. Let us submit the list to Him and ask Him to indicate which items we must delete. There is always time to do the will of God. If you are too busy to do that, you are too busy. Submit the script to God, and He will fill it out. Jerry Bridges says, Above all else, we must learn how to bring our wills in submission and obedience to the will of God on a practical, daily, hour-by-hour basis. Do you understand? It's daily and hour-by-hour because... Our will is always there and saying, do this. And wait a minute, I'm, I need to submit to God's will. I need to let you write the script. I'm, I'm going to go do this. And is that what God, is that what God directions? And, and again, this comes back to live to the glory of God until we have come to see that God is precious. Until we have come to see who God is, we won't, we'll struggle with submitting to Him and worshiping Him. See, God designed us all. We want and even need, the book says, to be wowed by something in order to have fulfillment. There is only one thing in the entire universe that can wow us for a lifetime and bring lasting joy and satisfaction, and that alone is God. We've all been there. We've all been there when we've been wowed by certain things. Wow, look at that woman. Wow, she's my wife. Wow, look at these kids. And then everything deteriorates, doesn't it? Wow, look at this new car. Man, that is nice. Zero to 60 in 
4.6 seconds. Woo, baby! Look at this. Or look at this team. Wow, they are so good. It all ends up bad, doesn't it? Everything that wows us in this life. Wow, look at that nice green grass and green pasture. Come back in six weeks. Wow, look at that white snow that's on the ground. But you know what? Only God can wow us for eternity. And you may be sitting there and say, you know what? I I know what you're saying up here, but I have a hard time struggling with this wow about God. If I got my bank statement tomorrow and someone had put $100,000 in it, I'd be, wow, baby, man. But the reality is everything. I don't care if they put $100 million in your bank account. Or if they gave you 70 years of perfect health. It all comes to an end. And, and it all comes back until we are wowed by God, we will never live to truly glorify God. We'll live to glorify the other things that wow us. And you know what wows most of us is ourself. We're pretty impressed with ourselves, And that's why he says, and he reminds, Peter is writing to them, and notice verse 9, you are a chosen generation. He's reminding us what God has done in us. He's brought you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's own special people. And, and why did he do all this? So that you could go out in this world and proclaim how great God is so other people would find purpose and the greatness of God and be wowed by God and glorify God. But he's reminding them of who... And notice he goes on, You are to sing forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light... And he reminds us, you were once not a people. You were, you were just a clod of dirt. But now you are the people of God and have, you had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. I mean, this is, this is what he's, he's saying to us. Well, you were, you were condemned. You were damned to an eternity in hell. God, who is rich in mercy, poured His mercy upon you. And He designed every Christian that we should be bursting with words of description and expression and emotions and actions that show those that we come in contact with the greatness and the worth of God. Matthew Henry said, those who have a saving interest in Christ must be willing to part with all for Him, leave all to follow Him. Whatever stands in opposition to Christ or in completion with Him for our love and service, we must cheerfully quit it, though ever so dear to us. 
He's saying there is nothing as worthy as God. And anything that competes with that, we need to put it away so that we are wowed by God. So let me just quickly ask this question. Why aren't we wowed with God? I mean, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about we as Christians right here today. Number one, we don't know Him in two senses. Maybe we never have personally called upon Jesus Christ, as I mentioned before. And we're really not a child of God. You won't be wowed by God. You're spiritually dead. That's like propping a dead man up here and... And showing him whatever you want. He won't be wowed. He won't say, whoa, that's amazing. So you don't know him in that sense. And you may be a child of God, but you haven't given your life to know him. And we started out this series. The most important thing in life is to know God. And when you know him, when the more you get to know him, the more you will be wowed by him. When you come to see His character and He is infinite and I am so limited that He is full of compassion and, and I struggle with compassion and, and everything that He is perfect in all His ways. If we don't know His character, if we don't know His heart, if we don't know His nature, if we don't know His will, we're not going to be wild by Him. And so it is giving ourselves, God, I want to know you. And that, that takes, that's a process. That takes time. It takes effort. <clears throat> it takes being involved. See, honestly, I hate to think how few people actually participated, actively participated in this glorious God, glorious gospel book. And you may say, well, it was written for kids. We're all kids in Christ. Is there truth in it? You want to know one of the reasons we have a hard time getting people to speak up in our care groups about it? Because we haven't studied it. You're not going to know God, and I'm not saying that's the only way, but you're not going to know God if you don't have a heart that seeks after it that you're listening to this good ministry and preaching, and, and I don't mean this one, I mean you're listening to the Word of God in your life, and you're searching the Scriptures, and, oh, here's a book that the church family's going through. Let's jump in with both our feet up to our eyeballs and learn all we can. And we're not wowed by God. Second reason we're not wowed by God is we're distracted with earthly things. You know what? I thank God for COVID-19. Personally, in my life, I'm not talking about physically that it was in my life. I thank God that it shut down all the sports, practically. Because sports is a, can be a weakness in my life. You know what? I could care less. I was easily distracted by all these other things. And, and God, that's just one area. I don't know what it is in your life, but you know what? He shut down everything, didn't He? The Chinese did it. Well, you know what? God rules over the Chinese too. It's God that did it. And we better stop back, step back and ask, God, 
What are you trying to get my attention in? He's exposing a lot of fears, isn't he? And what am I trusting God? There's a lot of good that can come out of this if we step back. And one of the things, he shut down a lot of distractions. But you know what? Our human heart is a perpetual distraction producer. We can find other distractions. And that's why Paul said, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, my citizenship is in heaven. I'm living in light of that. And we need to examine, God, what is there in this life that I'm distracted with? And then thirdly, we aren't wowed with God because we take God and His attributes for granted. We, we've heard it so often. The mercies of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know about the mercies of God. He's pardoned you from your sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, tell us, tell us something new. Or at least tell us a story to make us laugh. Something, I mean... This, this is the greatest miracle of ever. I, I was condemned forever in hell. And He rescued me. From sinking sands, He rescued me. From shades of night to gleams of light. Oh, praise His name. He rescued me. We, we just take all this for granted. Yeah, yeah, let's pray. Yeah, 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 I've heard about prayer. No, you have access to God that all the nation of Israel never had access. The veil was rent in in two, and you can go directly to God. Yeah, 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 I know that from a little kid. Now, I lay me down to sleep, pray my Lord, my soul to keep. I know that from second grade, two and three-year-old class at Grace Baptist Church. They taught Fold your hands. I know that from Bible time. Put your hands over here. Shut your mouth. Shut your eyes. Okay, let's talk to God. I know. Pray, 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 pray. We hear pray, 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 pray all the time. It's like it's no big deal. I mean, this is going to the presence of God. You're not going into the Oval Office to talk talk to Donald Trump. You're going to the Creator, the Sustainer of the universe. The one who knows how many hairs are on your head. The one who designed you and gives you breath. And your very life is in His hand. And you're going to Him. And it ought to say, glory to God. I get to go talk to Him. But it's, we've heard it. I mean, I'm 65 years old. For 65, I'm not quite 65. But for whatever... I've heard all this. And you know what? We just get accustomed to it. We don't realize the depths of our sin. And that God saved me. We honestly think, well, why wouldn't have God saved me? I'm I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good gal. I mean, way better than that 
bum that lives down the street. His house is falling apart. He doesn't work. No. It wasn't like God looked over and said, oh, there's a, there's a top-notch guy right there. I want him. Read Corinthians. He said he chose the foolish and the base and the simple and the unlearned. So if you're a chosen one, raise your hand. I'm simple, I'm base, I'm stupid, I'm unlearned, and I'm rebellious. That's who we are. And that ought to say, man, God, that you allowed me to be in your family, it should wow us. And then, when we're wowed by God, then our goal is to glorify Him. He is the only thing worthy to be glorified. Man, if you want to find out what brought peace in my life, it's God. If you want to find out what gave purpose in my life, man, this is it. This is the greatest thing. You know, um, you you get your favorite ice cream cone, or you go to an ice cream place, and and there's a place in Sheridan, Wyoming. In their park, they have an ice cream stand, okay? And we stopped there. And didn't know the stand was there. And we thought, hey, let's get some ice cream. And man, they this hard ice cream, they had a lot of flavors. And they piled it on for a cheap price. And you, you're eating this ice cream cone and you go, man, this is, this is really good. And we told somebody, if you're ever through Sheridan, stop in at, at Hendrick Park. And they have an ice cream place. And, and you know what? I'd like to get an ice cream place at Yoakum Park that's just like the one out there. Because it is the best thing. What? I just gave you an example. When you come across something good, you tell others. Our problem is we don't think God is that good. And so we're not telling others. It's just, yeah, God. God is good. No, He is exceptionally good. He is supremely good. There is nothing that compares to Him. And our lives must be lived to the glory of God. Otherwise, it is vain. When when God and Jesus and submission to Him and worship is part of our life, there will be fulfillment, there will be joy, and there will be reward. Charles Spurgeon said, perhaps one of the hardest struggles of the Christian life is to learn this sentence. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name be glory. And until we come to see the glory of God, we won't live for it. Heavenly Father, To ask you to help us to be wowed by you is really a misnomer. Lord, there's nothing more that you can do to wow us. It's just we need to take our hearts and minds to think about what you have done. And Lord, forgive me and forgive us. 
for chasing after the earthly distractions in seeking the wow factor. And Lord, help us to be brought back to You. To see the greatness of You, and then and only then will we be able to glorify You toward others. Lord, You know the hearts of everyone here. There may be individuals here today that perhaps have grown up in this church or a Bible-believing church, and they know it all, all the terms, all the, the details. They know the gospel, but they've never personally called upon You. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would convict them and draw them to You, and they would say yes to Your Spirit. And then, Lord, I pray for we as believers that are still holding on to our own script. And, God, you know every minute we have an opportunity to pick up the script and write it ourselves. And every minute we have to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So, Lord, I pray that we would lay down our scripts and allow you to write them. Lord, do a work in our lives that there would be glory to you, that our lives truly would glorify you, we pray.